I want to encourage you tonight from a couple passages of Scripture. And uh, during worship, one of my children tugged on me and he said, hey, hey, look around, look around. I said, why? He, he said, look at how many people are here. And I said, what, what, what does that have to do with anything? And they said, look, there's not that many people here. And I said, okay. So he says, does that mean you're going to preach short? And I said, well, maybe I need to preach long. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, his, his reasoning was that uh, because there was just a few of us here tonight that it should be really short. And I don't know that I disagree with him, but we'll see what happens. So uh, Isaiah chapter 26 tonight, uh, we're going to look at uh, three really parallel passages. And we'll look at all three of them up front. And then I want to share some things with you to uh, just practically uh, help you uh, tonight. And we're going to look at an Old Testament prophet, we're going to look at a New Testament apostle, and then we'll look at uh, what our Lord says about our subject tonight. But Isaiah chapter 26 is the first one, Philippians 4 will be the next, and then Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Isaiah 26, verse 1, it says, In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He, that's God, sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. Verse 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Amen. Let's also look at Philippians chapter 4 tonight. Philippians chapter 4. This really is a parallel passage to that verse in Isaiah. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Philippians 4, 6. The Apostle Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then finally, the passage from Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 from the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Jesus speaking, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is, life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious or worried, can add a single hour to his span of life? 
And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. What he means by that is this is the way the world thinks. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. These are the words of God. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that uh, tonight that you would speak to us through these, and Lord, that you would help us uh, to put this into practice in our life, and that we would see your peace and your presence flood our lives and our souls. Lord, that we would not be a people that lives in fear and worry and anxiety, but Lord, that we would live in the peace, the shalom that only you can bring. Lord, through our time in your word tonight, I pray that you would bring that perfect peace to our hearts. No matter what it is that we're facing, nothing is greater than you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, looking at these three passages... One from the Old Testament prophet, one from the New Testament apostle, the other from our Lord himself. I think we can safely say that it is not God's desire for any of us that we would live a life of fear. That we would live a life riddled with worry and riddled with anxiety and paralyzed by the cares of this life. That's not God's design for us. That's not God's purpose for us. God does not want us to be paralyzed and and consumed with fear and, and worry about the future. That's easier said than done. Because we live in a world that is very troubling. You don't need me to go on to explain all the things that are going on in the world today that could cause us to be filled with fear and worry or all of the issues that we might have personally in our own lives that we would say, well, how is this going to turn out? And I don't know about this. And, and what about that? You know, all of the things, you don't need me to explain those to you. And this is obviously easy, easier said than done. But the fact of the matter is that God does not want you to live a life burdened with fear and worry and anxiety. And he has provided a way for his people to live free of those things. Though we go through troubling things in this life, and Jesus even said that himself, in the world you will have tribulation. So it's not shocking that we would go through difficulty or hardship. That shouldn't be a surprise to any one of us. We we shouldn't, when we go through troubling times, say, has God failed? What happened? No, Jesus said, in the world we will face those things. But he said what? Take heart. Strengthen yourself in this fact because he has overcome the world. What that means is that there is someone greater than whatever trouble that we would face, and it is Jesus himself. 
And so I want to look at this promise from Isaiah 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3, it is a promise for the people of God. It is a promise for you. You who are in covenant fellowship with God. The promise that God makes is that He will keep us in perfect peace. Those whose mind is fixed on Him or stayed on Him because He trusts in God. Perfect peace. Not not, uh, imperfect peace, not a peace that is almost gets us there. No, a perfect peace. And it says that God keeps those imperfect peace whose mind, whose, whose thoughts, whose attention is stayed, is fixed on God. That word stayed, it, it really means that is leaning upon, that, that is is leaning like, like something would, would lean up against a tree for stability, that we lean upon God for our strength. It says that when we do that, when we trust in God, when we have faith in God, He will keep us in perfect peace. Now, the trick is, is to keep our mind stayed on God. That's the trick. That's, that's the difficulty. That's where we live. It is, it is not always easy to keep our thoughts and our attention and our focus fixed on Christ, is it? In the world, we have all kinds of things going on. All, all sorts of work and, and family and, and, and providing for and, and all of the things that we concern ourselves with that take our focus and our attention off of Christ. There's just things we got to do, right? It's a part of this world, just stuff we got to do. And I, I'll be honest, we live in a probably the, the generation that will find that this is the hardest to do with any generation that's ever lived. In 2023, we have some real challenges with keeping our minds fixed on Christ, do we not? Well, what about this, this little thing here? Is this not a constant distraction? The, the constant push notifications? Just Some of you have gotten 10 texts since you've been in church tonight. You, you, you've been gotten messages, even just coming to worship and... And all of the distractions, the, the social media that, that's just constantly pulling at us for our attention. It feeds our, or it actually stirs up the, the hormone within our brain, dopamine. So that our, our, our bodies physically are addicted to that drug of our, in our brain, that, that, that hormone that's released. And, and the, the creators of social media know this, and so they, they design their apps in such a way to keep us addicted to it. So the creators of these websites, the creators of social media, refer to their, their, their customers 
The same way that drug dealers do. They call us users. We're users. Don't call us customers. We're not clients. We're users. In this day and age, it's hard to keep our attention fixed on Christ. All of the distractions that would take our mind away from Christ. There's the 24-7 news cycle that's constantly going and saying, watch this, listen to this, pay attention to this. Can you guess what so-and-so said this week or what they did last week? And can you believe that? And it's, it's, it's urgent. you got to hear this. you got to pay attention to this. And none of it puts our attention on Christ, does it? Does any of it draw us up into the things of God or the ways of God? No, it's all earthly. It's all taking our attention off of Christ. What about entertainment? Don't we today have more access to entertainment than any people, any generation that's ever lived? We have access to so much entertainment, we have choice fatigue. We, we get tired just trying to decide what to watch. We just say, I, I just give up. Let's put The Office on again. We'll just watch that for the five billionth time in a row. It, it's just entertainment constantly. There's no way that you could ever in a lifetime watch all of the stuff that's being put out. But they're trying to get you. They're trying to hook you. They're trying to just pull you in and suck you in. All of the distractions that we have today. And we can even become addicted to these things. So that we may get to the point where we need to go on to full detox mode. Check ourselves into an institution or something, you know. Here, take, take my phone. Delete all the apps. We, we might need a detox. If we're going to keep our mind fixed on Christ. To fix our focus on Him. But this promise is true. That he keeps us in perfect peace whose mind are fixed on him. Whose minds are fixed on him. I don't know if you know this, but there's been so many studies that have produced a direct connection between the more you use the apps and the more you are addicted to social media, and the more you use your phone, the more anxiety that you have. It, it's like one-to-one -one correlation. The, the people who have the most anxiety are the people that are the most tuned in to all of the things that I just described. And, and so we live in a world that is riddled with anxiety, and it's even in the church, because the church oftentimes just lives life like the world. But God has not called us to that. We are to keep our minds fixed, stayed on Christ. And if we will do that, God will keep our hearts in perfect peace. So I want to equip you with, with some things that you can use to meditate upon Christ. 
I want want to give you some categories of things that you can think about as you go about life, as you go about your day. Things that you can think about God to fix your mind upon Him. The first is the attributes and the character of God. The attributes of God, the character of God. Here I've listed 15 or 16 of God's attributes in his character. You you could spend weeks just meditating on one of these. To meditate on God. To think on his nature and his character. I would love to just walk through all of these, but I'm reminded of the the question that my son posed to me before service, during service. You just, take the first one, the aseity of God, the self-existence of God. That that God exists and he is self-sufficient in and of himself. That he is not dependent upon or reliant upon anyone or anything. That he is totally self-sufficient, self-sustaining. You and I are not like that. We are totally dependent upon God. We are totally dependent upon his creation, the world that he made. We are totally dependent moment by moment upon him for the very breath that we breathe. God is not like us. He... He is sufficient in and of himself. The spirituality of God, this is God's infinite. He is infinite. He has no limits. He has no bounds. He is without limit. You and I are not like that. You and I are finite, but God is infinite. We have the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. God is in control of all things. Martin Luther used to say that there is not a maverick molecule in the universe. That every last speck of dust is under the sovereign authority of God Almighty. The holiness of God, His his total uniqueness... His total separateness, His total majesty and glory. The omnipresence of God, that God is everywhere all the time. Not confined to one space, one location. So that the psalmist says, if I climb to the highest mountain, you are there. If I go to the deepest ocean, you are there. So that wherever we go, God is with us. The omnipresence of God. The omniscience of God. That God knows everything about everything. And that God has always known everything about everything. And that he will always know everything about everything for all eternity. The quote goes that God has never learned anything but that he has always known everything. The omniscience of God. 
the omnipotence of God, God's all-powerful nature, that he has all power. All power. We could go on and on. The goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God. Listen, to, to keep your mind fixed on Christ, fix yourself on his attributes. Meditate on his nature and his character. This is just one way that we can keep our mind fixed on him. There's some other ways I want to share with you tonight. There's the names of God. We find these in the Old Testament, these old, these Hebrew names that were attached to God. You can think about these. You can meditate upon these. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. God is our provider, amen? I'm putting these up in list form so you can all, as some of you are doing, take a picture of them and just bring it back up during the week. To meditate on God's provision. To meditate on how he provides for all of us. Think about that. God is such a provider that he, he doesn't just provide for one of us. His provision is for all of us. The provision that he's made for all of mankind in his creation. God, his peace, Jehovah Shalom. Again, that's what we're studying tonight. As we keep our mind fixed on him, he keeps us in perfect peace. All of these that he is our banner, he is our shepherd, he's the God who heals us, he's the God who is there with us, he's the Lord our righteousness. That used to be my favorite one as a kid. Jehovah's sit canoe. Just used to love to say that. That he is our righteousness. El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, that he has all power, that he has all might. And El Elyon, the Most High God. These are the names of God. You, you could take one of these a week and just think on this and meditate on this and say, okay, this week I'm focusing on, I'm meditating on, and I'm thanking God for him being Jehovah, the Lord who provides the one who provides for me. You can, you can take one of these a day. You could span it out over a month, however long you want to meditate on it. But you will never exhaust who God is. These are the names of God. You can meditate on, here's another category, the wonderful works of God. God's wonderful works. We see his wonderful works first in the creation that God has made. Just to, to marvel at God's creation and the beauty in creation and the diversity in creation. Right now I I'm, I'm, was looking, this past week I was looking at some trees to put in my backyard to give me some privacy from my neighbors. I know the Bible says to love your neighbor, but I'd also like to have a hedge of protection, you know, <laughs> a literal hedge. So we're looking at trees. And there's like 17 billion kinds of trees that you can plant to block your neighbor. It's, it's, it's fascinating 
So many different species and so many different varieties. And do you know where it all came from? The mind of God. The mind of God. You pick any aspect of God's creation and you just look at it and you study it and you marvel at it. And it's like God's creativity, God's beauty, God's design. It it just puts you in awe of the creator. Psalm 8 is a great psalm that that talks about the the wonderful works of God in creation. I'm going to flip back over there just quickly tonight. Psalm 8. The the psalmist in, in Psalm 8 is just meditating on the wonderful works of God in creation. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? This this meditating on the works of God, the wonderful works of God in creation draws us up into worship, draws us up into exalting the Creator. God's wonderful works in salvation, which he, he promised before way in the Garden of Eden that, that there would one day come a Redeemer who would redeem the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. And that all through human history for 4,000 years God worked through His people, the Hebrew nation, to bring about the Messiah, the Savior of the world. God's wonderful works in salvation. You can meditate on that for the rest of your life and you would have only scratched the surface. God's work in redemption. This is God's redeeming work in our lives. This is personal. This is to just meditate on how God has taken us up, as the psalmist says, out of the clay, the the pit. The mud, and he's put our feet on solid ground. How God is redeeming our lives. His wonderful works in redemption. And then God's wonderful works in in consummation. That's the the finality. That's the, 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 the renewal of all things that God is leading the world into. Where in the end of the book of Revelation, we read that God is making all things new. To meditate on God's work in the consummation of all things, the completion of all things. That he's he's orchestrating all of human history to its final end and conclusion. And that all of it is under his sovereign control. These are the wonderful works of God. We could meditate on these day and night to keep our mind stayed on Christ. And what about the unfailing promises of God? The unfailing promises of God. This is our last category tonight. I just wanted to 
show you some ways that you can think about God to keep your mind fixed on him. Now these are just, what is that, 10 promises? There are so many promises of God in the Bible. The exact number depends on on which resource you look at. There was one Canadian school teacher that counted, did his best to count all the promises of God in the Bible. The number he came up with was 8,810. That's impressive. There was another scholar who came up with 30,000 promises, which is interesting because that's almost as many verses as there are in the Bible. So the exact number depends on who you might ask or what resource you would look at, but the point is that there are thousands upon thousands of God's unfailing promises. I don't know if you remember the story, but when Solomon built the temple and he dedicated it to the Lord, in his great prayer that he prayed to the Lord, he said, Lord, not a one of your promises has failed. You have kept every single one of them. God's promises do not fail. They cannot fail because God cannot fail. He has personally guaranteed these for us. The promise of salvation. The promise of guidance that God would lead us and guide us and instruct us in the way of life, the way we should go. God's promise of provision that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. The promise of God to comfort us when we are in need. He's called the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The promise to give us peace. The promise to give us strength. I love this one, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. What about the promise of forgiveness? Don't we cling to that one every single day? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The promise of protection, Psalm 91.1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Of all the thousands of promises in the Bible, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.20 that all the promises of God find their yes in Him, that is Christ. That is why through him we say our amen to God for his glory. All of the promises of God find their yes in Christ. To meditate on his promises, to meditate on his wonderful works, to meditate on the names of God, the attributes of God, the character of God. And that if we will keep our mind, our thoughts, our our attention, our focus fixed upon Him, if we will will fight and battle and and work to, to put away all of the distractions, what we will find is that He will keep us in perfect peace. 
But it is like Peter. It is like that, that story in the Gospels where, where Jesus was walking on the water. And, and as long as Peter had his eyes fixed upon Christ, he could do incredible things. He, he even walked on water. But when, G, when Peter put, took his eyes off of Christ and he put his eyes on the storm and the situation, he began to sink. The fact is that we can do incredible things in faith when we keep our focus on Christ. But when we take our eyes off of Christ and put it on the world and the situation and everything going on around us, those things, they, they suck the faith right out of us. Because they lie to us. The, the situations, the circumstances, they, they are filled with lies and deceit against God, against the promises of God. And so we must strengthen our heart with the truth of God's word. And so if, if things at work we find are spinning out of control, you know what we need to do? We need to keep our focus on Christ. If our relationships or our marriage is, is going through a hard time, we need to keep our focus on Christ. If we find that our kids are going through a, a hard time or a difficult season, we need to keep our focus on Christ. If we find ourselves worried about the economy or, or the news or the elections or the wars and rumors of wars, guess what we need to do? We need to keep our focus fixed upon Christ. And even as I say that, there's this temptation to think, well, yeah, but. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true, but. Listen, this is, this is a word from your pastor. You need to tell your yeah, but to shut up. God's word is the final authority. God's word is true. His promises are true. We must keep our focus and our gaze fixed upon him. There's this old saying, and I, I do not like it at all. And it goes something like this. Well, yeah, if we do that, we'll be so heavenly minded, we'll be of no earthly good. You don't want to be so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. Listen, it is only the heavenly minded that are of earthly good. It is only those who, who have their, their eyes, their, their attention, their focus fixed on Christ and living for His glory that are of any good down here. We must keep our attention fixed upon Him. You cannot be too heavenly minded. And trust me, in 2023, that's something that none of us is even almost in danger of, even if that could be a thing. So we need to remind ourselves of these promises. We need to remind ourselves of these truths. We're commanded by Jesus to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And how do we love God with our mind? We think on these things. We must keep our thoughts fixed on Him. 
our minds stayed on Christ. And when we do, he promises to keep us in perfect peace. Closing tonight with that passage from Matthew 6 where Jesus says not to be anxious, not to worry, not to be concerned about this or to be concerned about that. It's not that we don't have work to do. We do have work to do. It's not that we don't have things that we have to get done in life. Yes, we do. But Jesus tells us the proper way to orient those things. Verse 33, Jesus says, well, let's look at verse 32. For the world, the Gentiles, seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows that we need provision. God knows that that we got to work to eat, that we got to take care of ourselves. God knows all of that. But Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So it's not that we don't work. It's not that we don't go about our day and do the things that we got to do. But in those things, above all else, we seek first God's kingdom. The rule and the reign of Christ. That he orients all of our work. He orients even all of our enjoyment, all of our fun in seeking first his rule and his reign. And if we do that, when we do that, he promises everything else is going to take care of itself. Seek first the kingdom at work, the rule and the reign of Christ at work, working for his glory. Seek first the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of Christ in your family, living for his glory. God's going to prom- he promises to take care of everything else. And because of that, and if we will trust in that, Guess what will melt away? Fear, anxiety, worry about the future. It's like the old song used to sing in Sunday school. He's got the whole world in his hands. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your promises. Lord, I thank you for this promise from the book of Isaiah that you keep us in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on you because we trust in you. Lord, we ask for your help, that you would help us to keep our thoughts, our focus, our attention fixed upon you. There are so many things that would try to distract us, would take our attention off of, us, off of you, would, would try and put it on anything and everything else. But Lord, we thank you for the promise of your word. Help us, remind us, through the power of your spirit, to meditate, to feast on, to fix our eyes upon Christ. Lord, we know that you are our source and our supply and that you are sovereign over all things. And in that we trust you. And in that we find peace. Even in the midst of troubled times, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, knowing, Lord, that you are sovereign over all, is a great peace and comfort to our souls. Lord, as we go out this week, help us to be salt and to be light in this world. Lord, that you have called us to 
be in the world but not of the world, to, to stand apart from the world, to be distinct, to be seen as different. Lord, help us to resist the temptation to blend in, but help us by your spirit to stand out for your glory and for your kingdom for the sake of your son Jesus.